a strong emphasis of God. One of the hardest things in any church is to keep God central. Why? Because there's so many human needs rising within the midst that human needs can often overtake what God wants to do. Do you hear me? And in many, many churches, we bow to the human needs of man. So we minister to the human needs of man. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But, thank you, David. But it can never be at the expense of God. If you minister the things of God, the needs of man will take care. Now, that doesn't mean to say we, have, we don't spend time or attention in, any, in certain areas working on the needs of man. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying, the needs of man are not primary. The needs of God are primary. God knows what he wants for his people. So when we know what God wants for his people, then we find the heart of God for our nation and for our church and for da-da-da-da-da-da. Just give me a second while I find this. I'm very unprepared because I left me message next door. There we go. Found it. That wasn't too much of a discomfort, was it? This week has been a momentous shift. A momentous shift. We broke treaty. We broke covenant. We broke Europe. We broke Europe. And, uh, but I want to just give you a scripture here. Listen to me. How, oh, how I've changed it for us. It's not blasphemous. Listen to me, O house of Britain, Jacob. All who remain in the house of Brussels. You whom I have upheld since you were conceived. God has been on our case from the moment he called Great Britain into place. You were conceived and have, I have carried you since your birth. God has been with us this, through all our history. The good, the bad, the ugly and the terrible. God's been with us. Even to your old age and gray hairs, God's going to be with us to the end. We can't shake him off. He won't go away. I am he. I am he who will sustain you. Promise. I have made you and I will carry you and I will sustain you and I will rescue you. And that's what I believe God is doing right now in our nation. The God who birthed us is still carrying us and caring for us. Whether you like the vote or not, God is still that God. Whether you got your way or not, the issue is, this gives me great hope. That my, listen, this will shake your Christianity. Why? Because your faith should never be in politics. Your faith should never be in man. Your faith should be in God and Christ alone. Do not look to the economists, to the politicians. Let God work with them. You work with God. You walk with God. You pray with God. And God will work with them. But you must walk with God and look to God for your sustenance and for your future. Our future hasn't gone. Or our future hasn't been created based on what's just happened. God is the one. Since, let's look at scripture for a minute. Can we get Bible for a minute? Since all the days... Or written, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one ever came to be. You were written there for me. What, what did a politician have to do with that? Right. So all the days ordained for you and me have already been pre-written. 
So let's not get too upset or get too jubilated as to what's happened. But I firmly believe that God has given me some clarity on this issue. And I firmly believe that I'm not the voice. I am a voice. I'm not a voice crying in the wilderness, but I'm, I am a voice speaking where I can do. But here's the issue. This week's vote was not about the will of man. It was not about the will of a people. You must understand this. The people were involved. If we just take God out of the equation, it was a nation just voting. This, was about, this wasn't about the will of man. This wasn't about the will of politicians. This wasn't about the will of Brussels. This is about the sovereign will of God for our nation. And the moment we can partner with God, we realize that God deals with nations. You must understand, you cannot ignore God is a God of nations. He is not just a God of people. He is a God of nations. Nations are in his hand. The nations, read your Bible, it's all about nations. It's all about nations. There are sheep nations, there are goat nations. And in that sheep nation, they're the people who will yield themselves to the word of God. The goat nations resist. A goat nation can become a sheep nation, and a sheep nation can become a goat nation with a wrong kind of leader. It's true, we've seen that in history. Leaders come, leaders go. Changes. You look at Iran. Iran was a nation under the Shah. She was open. Now, the Ayatollahs took over. Iran is, is Islamic. Fundamentalist. Nations change. Next, sheep nations become goat nations overnight with the wrong leader. So we must understand that God is a God who works with nations. And I thank God what's happening. Because now it gives me such a platform to talk about how God works with nations. And works with fathers. And the moment we understand this, we'll understand that God is our supplier, not the politicians. Now let me, let me also say something to you that you might not like. There will be shaking. There will be uncertainty. There will be fluctuations in the market. There will be all kinds of fear-mongering still continuing. Hold your ground. Do not panic. There will be things changing. Of course it is. But we think, we don't mind them changing as long as they don't affect me. Listen, our future is more certain today than it was last week. Because now we know where we're going. We don't know the path. We don't know how to do it. But at least we know now, we've decided that we're going to go this way. At least make a choice. And we did. So the issue is, God is never going to let pagans determine his sovereign will. And last time I looked, we had a pagan nation. We've got more idols. We've got, more, we've got about two million bone idols. Right? We've got idols in our nation. That makes us pagan. But thank God there's a remnant of Christianity in our nation. More and more, the Western nations are becoming pagan. Right. Do you think God's going to allow the people's vote to determine his will? No. God will never allow pagans. God will always raise up a remnant people who will determine and push in the spirit and create pathways in the spirit for God to move. That's how God works with nations. You see, when Israel saw Jesus Christ, they thought Jesus was going to come and deliver them from a Brussels-type leader. 
didn't they? They all thought, when will you restore the kingdom back to Israel? <laughs> Never. Not in your lifetime, Jimmy. Right, you better get in on the God of the nations. Uh, I've got, he didn't, Jesus didn't tell the church at that point, I've got a plan for the Gentiles. Can you imagine if they'd have found out at that point, I've come for the Gentiles because you lot ain't going to listen. They'd have crucified him right there and then on the spot. They were looking for a military leader. What are you looking for out of this referendum? Who are you looking for? Stick with Christ. Stick with Christ. Amen? I believe God has brought us to this point. We must stay on the path. We must stay on the path. When I looked at the bookmaker's odds this week, I was telling Chris, I must admit my heart was drawn to the natural and I swayed. Because the bookies don't normally get it wrong. On one website I saw, they had three to one odds for us to remain. But ten to one odds to leave. I thought, well, the bookies don't normally get it wrong, do they? So here's what I was doing. I felt it stirred in my spirit. I had to go to Leeds this week. So I got in the car and I began to pray all the way to Leeds. Didn't close my eyes. <laughs> Navigated lane changes superbly. Kept my eyes open. And I just began to intercede. And the Spirit of God hit me, hit me. And I've never felt such a burden for our nation as I have during this. God has given me something out of this. And I'm not going to let it go. And I've said, God, don't let, it, don't let it come to an end. Show me how to go to the next step. And I'm just believing God's beginning. Show me now already what we need to do. How we must stand as a church and take the future. I said, this isn't about the votes on. This is about your future. And as I began to intercede, I really began to feel emotional in the car. And when you're in a young car, you can, you can do anything, can't you, in a young car? So I'm really going for it. And I really felt the Spirit of God get hold of me. And it's like, this is what it's about, Tony. What you're praying, this is what it's about. And I was asking God to move the nation to his will. I said, Lord, I'll take, I'll take a remain vote. I'll take a leave vote as long as it's your will. I'll trust you. It's not about leave or stay. For me, Lord, it's about your will. And Lord, forgive me. That's the last thing I saw. To some degree. I said, Lord, move the nation. Whatever the odds are, defy the odds. Break the odds. Whatever needs to happen, oh God, bring us to the right outcome. Lord, we stand at the crossroads. And we're asking you for the good way. The good way may not be my way. But Lord, whatever you decide, I'm in. So he said, you're voting to stay in, are you? No, I'm voting to stay in with what you're saying. So I began to pray and really begin to intercede all the way up to Leeds. That journey will never be the same again. So I didn't watch the TV all night. I didn't track the results. I just wanted to wake up and know that it was a new dawn. Either way, I said, Lord, if we're in, we're in. If we're out, we're out. And then Carol brought, brought the news up to me to find out that, to, to discover that we're out. And I really believe God's moved on our nation. Irrespective if you're in or out, irrespective if you're in or out, I believe God's will has been done. Now you might say, well, I don't think, I'm not talking about what you think. I'm talking about aligning to what heaven's saying. We've all got political views. I'm not talking about your political view. I'm talking about heaven is directing the affairs of our nation. Thank God, God is in control, is in control over our nation. I've never felt more British. 
I don't know what a Brit is these days, but I feel it. Now, here's the issue, church. We now need new leadership. So the issue for us as a nation and the issue for us as a church is we're going to start praying in the necessary leadership this nation needs. Now, I said this morning in our early morning prayer meeting, I said, please do not look at the candidates that are available. Right? Because if God can choose someone from the backside of the desert and put his government grace on him, God needs to do that with us. Don't look at Boris. Don't look at Mr. Bean. Don't look at David Cameron. When I say Mr. Bean, I mean the other fellow, uh, the shadow, what's he called? I was born, that's it. I call him Mr. Bean. Don't look at these people. Why? Because none of them look worthy candidates. But the issue is this. God, you can put a grace on a man. Lord, I pray your grace find a man, raise a man, so a man can govern our nation. That's what we need. That's what this nation needs is a man. So stop praying for Boris. Stop praying for him. Stop praying for them. Start saying, Lord, just as you did with Israel, you chose David. You even chose Saul. Lord, let us not become like the days of judges when everyone did what they want and thought what they wanted. Now it's the time to find new government. I'm quite sad David Cameron's leaving, to be honest. I never thought I'd say that. But I'm sad he's leaving. However, I do believe God knows what we need. Amen? Can you believe? Do you have hope this morning? I do have great hope for our future. I really do. So, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Now, ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you'll find rest for your souls. But you said, we ain't going to walk in it. So I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, don't like the sound of that music. But we will not listen. There's a stubborn picture there. Our nation still would rather, you know, struggle than ask God for the good way. It would, but there's the issue. We are still at the crossroads. We're still at the crossroads. Why? Because we're still asking God for the good way. The vote didn't take that away. Now, Lord, show us the good way. Now that one, ob- one pathway has come to an end. That pathway now is no longer an option. EU is no longer a pathway. So now, Lord, show us the one that you have for us. Give us men who will speak. Give us men who will tell us what the direction we need to go. Give us leaders, spiritual leaders. Give us a father who loves a nation, who treats the nation as his own. And lead us, oh God. We don't just want a politician. We want a leader, a father leader, who will have a heart for his people. Who's not interested just in the next election, but he's interested in the next generation. We need that kind of leader. So Lord, on this path, Lord, we're still on this path. We're still walking down this path, Lord. Show us the good way. Lord, and I'm going to walk in it, Lord. Whatever you show me, I'm going to walk on it. That choice starts with you and me. It must become your individual prayer. Hello? 
It must become your individual prayer. Lord, start with me. Show me the good way. So if you're asking God for the good way so you can walk in it, that means he's leading, you're following. True? Our nation is a very different nation today. When we first went into the common market, as it was called then, it was very different. Now our nation is completely a different animal. It's a completely different animal today than it was then. We are now more multicultural, which is brilliant. I like that diversity. Right? We've got more expressions now than we've ever had. So Britain has become, Britain has become a different place. It's now catering for different needs. But God has need of our nation. Remember, I know our, our immigration service doesn't like this scripture I'm going to use now, but it's your foreigners who will rebuild your walls. <laughs> I'm sure we should put that over the immigration department, shouldn't we? Foreigners will rebuild your walls. That's what the Bible says. So you need other nations in. Now, obviously, we know there are limits to all that kind of stuff. However, a definition of a crossroad juncture, as I've told you before, is a point in time, especially a critical one, where you have to re-navigate your way in order to stay on the path you originally chose. Our forefathers chose a Christian path. Our forefathers I'm not about to let that go. It's interesting that the young people feel that the old people have decided their future. And we have, but just not in the way they think. Our young people right now feel that their hope's gone. What an opportunity to get in. What an opportunity to get in. The door's wide open. Young people, I heard one young guy say, you know, to Boris Johnson, you're going to be all responsible. It's you. I wanted to study European law, and now I can't do it. Why can't you study European law? But this is what this kid was saying. And then these young people were saying, we just feel as young people, we voted in, and the old ones have took us out and they've given us no future. But that's how they feel. So let's, so let's, of course they've been brainwashed. However, that's how they feel. That's reality to them. However, this is a great opportunity. Because right now everyone's got an issue. Everyone's got a thought about, was you in or was you out? Are you red or are you brown? Thought about that. Are you blue or are you red? Everyone's talking about this, politi this poli uh, political decision we've made. It's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity now to speak and arise. Let your light shine. Give them hope. Amen? Well, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I'm going to my future's uncertain. No, it's not. God has brought us closer to his will. The watchman must rise to keep the nation under God. Hello? The nation must rise. Now, here's the issue. This is where we're turning now. This message isn't about our nation. It involves our nation, but it's about you. It's time for you and me to build our walls. The walls of our nation need rebuilding. Politically. Spiritually. Family. Educationally. Scientifically. It's a great opportunity. Now, legislation changes. It's a great opportunity to readjust, realign a lot of things. God has given us an open door now to chart our own course. Great opportunity. We're not bound by legislation. We've now got an opportunity to do things we may never have before. 
Now that can work out for good and for bad. This is what some people fear, that without Europe, we won't have no boundaries. Well, boundaries are good and bad. I'll show you that in a minute. But let's give it a go. Let's give it a go. Amen? I wish I did conservatives or the labels would have let me have a go. I might have got some stones thrown at me. At least I got something back. The watchman must rise to keep the nation under God. Yes? Why? Because this is the time to build. This is the time to build the nation from within. The time to reset the nation back on its course. It's a time to bring Christ back. It's a great opportunity. I say it's a great opportunity to rebuild the walls. Here's, listen to this. The prophet in Hosea, Hosea chapter 9 verse 8. The prophet along with my God. Watch this. The prophet, one, and my God. How many people do you see there? No. 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 Well, good point. Good one. Yeah, I'll give you that one. Dave gets the point for that one. Also, four people. How many is God? And you? That's four people. You only need two, and that's the majority. Two must become one. Are you getting this? The God, the prophet, and his God are in charge of the nation. God and the prophet. I'm sorry if you thought it meant politicians. It said prophet. The highest form God speaks to is the apostles, prophets in any nation. Surely God does nothing, Amos 3.7, without first what? Speaking to the prophets. The one thing that's been missing from this vote is the church's voice. Right, so God hasn't had nothing to work with. So now it goes down to the next level called politicians. But when the, when the word can come to a nation by a prophet and there are people on the ground who will hear the word, then the nation can move according to the word of God. Now, the problem is, when you've got so many voices, you have confusion. So there needs to be recognized, established, creditable, righteous prophets. Amen? Because we know everyone's calling themselves a prophet today. Everyone says they've got a prophetic ministry. Well, where was you? Shut up. Go and rewrite your books. The prophet, along with my God, is the watchman over Ephraim. Yet, snares await him on his path. So there are still snares on our path. It's not all doom and gloom, but there are challenges on our path. Yes? There will be hostility in the house of his God. There's already trouble between people on Facebook saying him and him. This church want in. This church want out. They're okie-cokie. They don't know they're in or out. So there's hostility in the house of God. Snares await us on our path to rebuilding the walls. But guess what? We're going to rebuild them. The prophet and his God. Well, who's the prophet? Good question, Tony. Well, let's let you and God start together first. Because God just might give you a word to speak in your environment. So God and you are a majority. Amen? And you know whenever you, when you speak, and when God speaks to you and you speak, there's always hostility in that environment. People don't like what you say. 
people don't want the God factor, we'll try every other factor, and then when it all falls apart, well, then we might come to you, says the scientist. Matthew 18, 19 says, Again, I tell you that if two or three agree on the earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven, lessons to observe, all building or rebuilding, must partner with heaven first. So we see, with, on the first scripture, we see the prophet and his God, that's four or two or one. That's not confusing. One is the part when that's all parties coming together to be one. Yes? God and man are two, but we also know God is a trinity with man, so that's four. Does that make sense? It's not confusing you. I think so. <laughs> Revelation chapter two, two, sorry, verse seven, here's the issue now. What are you hearing in this moment? What are you hearing in all of what's being said? And also remember this. The really smart people, the really smart people of which I'm talking to this morning, should hear from what's not being said. God spoke to me out of what was not being said. He did not speak to me out of what was being said. He spoke to me out of what was not being said. And that's how I got the word for us as a house. Thank God there's a man who will listen to God for us. Well, I do. I'm thanking God. Anyway, I can hear God. Can't hear him that clear, but I can hear him. So he who has an ear, let him in. Who's got an ear this morning? Have you all got ears? So friends, Romans, lend me your ears. The Spirit says to the churches, which church is he speaking to this morning? Us. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, so that he who overcomes this battle, this pathway with hostility, Right? And uncertainty, I believe if we overcome this, God will give our nation the opportunity to eat from the tree of life. Yes? Which is the paradise of God. If we stay to our convictions, if we stay to our grounds, if we stick to our truth, if we stick to what we know is right, irrespective of how bad it gets, uncertain it gets, uncertainty, or say, let's just say, for instance, just hear me out for a second. Let's just say mass recession comes in the next six months. People will say, see, we shouldn't have come out. No. No. Stay with the end game. The water will always find its level. But it's uncomfortable in the initial stages. Let the water, listen, when you tip the ship up, the water goes from one side to the other. But once you let that ship find its level... The water will stable out. Do not, do not become shifted from your convictions and from the word of God when turmoil comes and meets us on our path because he's already told us hostility, uncertainty, snares await us on our path. Hear what the spirit is saying. Hold your ground because the ship will find its level. Why? Because God is on our case. Can you believe this? How many of you believe this barn can stay full? Now, I know you all like the idea of that. So, question. It's something the Lord asked me. I haven't got the answer for it yet, but I'm asking you. I will have the answer and I'll come back to you. Ready for this? You've got a pen, write this down, because this involves you. 
How do you know if our barns are full or our barns are empty? How would any of us know whether our barns are full or whether they're empty? How do you know what an empty barn looks like and how do you know what a full barn looks like? Question. Hmm. This is what the Lord spoke to me this week. There I am on my exercise machine, sweating. All of a sudden, question Tony. How do you know what a bar, full barn looks like and what a barn, an empty barn looks like? You better know. You better know. Why? Because the Bible says there will be famine in the land. If there is famine in the land of the word, how do you know when you're in a barn that's not in famine? Just because you hear someone speak does not mean to say they're putting food on the table. You must know what is food and what is not food. Because if you don't know what food is and you, don't, and you never feed of this food, guess what? You'll always shift your position. And that's why people will run here and there to, to find out what their itching ears want to say. And you'll always get a mug saying it. But you must hold to your position. You must know where you're being fed. We are not running a soup kitchen here. Our, our church, our table is not a soup kitchen. It's not survival food. It's not Kentucky Fried Gospel. We must know. You must know. I'll get the answer and come back to you on it. But right now, it's good for you to ask. If I'm going to spend time in prayer, so are you. Now, it's strange. It's strange to hear prophets say things that sound contradictory. Example, I'm glad you asked. The walls are coming down. When communism walls were up, let's just pray the Lord brings that wall down. Let's pray that the Lord brings the walls down of dictatorship. Let's pray the wall, that God brings the walls down of terrorism. Is that right? Of course it is. Bring it down the strongholds, the walls, right? But then you get another prophet saying, rebuild the walls. What's the difference? Context. Context. At first they sound a contradiction, but they are not. What do you mean? Pull down a wall, build a wall. How do I know which wall to build? Numpty. Walls that resist, strongholds you pull down. Walls that are already down, what do you do with them? Rebuild. Of course you do. There is a time for both. There's a season for both. What you must know, you must have an ear that knows what to do in the time it's being spoken. There are still walls that need to be broken down. Walls of people's men mentality. And there are walls that need to be rebuilt. What wall does, does it, we need to rebuild? The family. It's the fabric of society. So, you must know. Now, the Bible says this. 
go back a minute. You haven't got this on the screen. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it says, There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to hear, sorry, a time to down, uh, tear down and a time to build. There's a time to tear down, there's a time to build. There's a season for every activity under heaven. So what determines that activity is you inclining your ear. Whether you can hear. Now, if you can't hear, you, you do one of two things. You either do the wrong thing or you do nothing. Am I speaking to the church this morning? You either do one or two things. You either do the wrong thing or you do nothing. So some people in our nation this, this week decided because they can't trust politicians, I won't vote. Others who can't trust politicians still voted. It's better to do something than nothing, but it's even wiser to do the right thing than just do anything. Amen? That's why I sent that document out, hoping that you would then ask God which way you should vote. Now, let's go back to Nehemiah. I'm glad you asked. Hanana, Hananan, I can't even say his name. Hanani. Hanani, I thought he played for Portugal. Hanani. One of my brothers came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, what did they say to you? Those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. Let's just pause there for a second. He sees, sorry, he hears, and out of what he hears, he sees, and what he see, out of what he sees, he hears. Let me say that again. Jeremiah, sorry, uh, Nehemiah the prophet, he hears. And out of what he hears, he begins to see. And out of what he begins to see, he begins to hear. God will let you see some things so you can begin to hear some things. Yes? When you go on a mission field and you see the, the travesties that you see in certain nations, you begin to hear heaven speaking to you through what you see. True? So you come back and you do something about it. Right, that's one definition. And out of what I'm telling you, you see. That's why we say, do you see what I'm saying? You go, yeah, yeah, no. Right, out of what I'm saying, you begin to see. And out of what you see, you begin to hear. This is what was going on in Nehemiah. He heard what was going on. He begins to hear. What, he begins to see the situation. And out of what he sees, he begins to hear heaven. Heaven begins to grab hold of him and says, Nehemiah, this is your assignment. Then he says, what is the problem here? Those who survived the exile are, in great, are, in, uh, are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down. This was significant for Israel. And its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I did something. I sat down and wept. Emotions involved. And then I mourned and fasted. Then I prayed before the God of heaven. Now's the time to fast. Now's the time to fast for our nation. Why? Because now 
the walls are down between us and Europe. Right? We, listen, all of Europe is looking at us and they're waiting for us to go down the pan. They're waiting for us for it all to go wrong, to turn around and say, you can't come back. See? See? <laughs> we told you, Europe is the future. They're waiting for us to go down the pan. But guess what? Our future is better than our past. Why? Because God is in charge of our nation. Amen? God will not let this nation go down. Why? As long as his people like us here. The remnant. As long as the remnant are returning to God, God will never let the ship go down. I said, as long as there's a remnant, God always looks for the remnant. And right now, it's possible that our nation could look like we're in disgrace and in great trouble, but we're not. We're not. So here, the time where now we're going to come to chapter, uh, verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. Well, I'm not weeping now. I'm mourning and fasting. I tried to mourn on Friday. Sorry, Thursday. I tried to mourn because I really felt the weight of this thing. I've never felt that before. Those who intercede have felt it, but I never. It was my first time, so I was glad about that. So I mourned and fasted. Now I'm about to go and pray before my God of heaven. Why? Because I want the future. I need a pattern for the future. We need the past. What is the way? This church is going to get more and more politically involved in our nation. We're going to have our own MPs. Why? Because the more we keep speaking, God's going to start giving you some seeds and you're going to get this feeling, I want to I go and stand for this. I want to go and campaign for that. Why? Because the church must make a difference. Amen? So I believe God's giving us, giving us an agenda here out of this. Why? Live in the days of heaven on earth. Speak to the tree tenderly. High visibility, maximum impact. Kingdom come, Christ revealed, church reform, city transform, arise, advance, accelerate, execute. Oh, it's screaming out at us. The church we see, everything is screaming. But what do you hear? What do you hear? Do you see? So, and he says this, the king said to me, what is it you want? Can I just ask you a question? Another question. If the king asks you, what do you want? In the context of what we're talking about, not do you need a new house or car or something like that? Just hold that for a minute. That might be a need. Let me ask you a real question. If the king says to you today, David, if God speaks to you today, what is it you want? How are you going to respond? Julie, how are you going to respond? In the context of what we're talking. John, how are you going to respond? Because that's what he's asking us. Nehemiah, listen. When God asks you that question, what is it you want? You better know. You better know. So God asks. So, so Nehemiah goes to the king and he says, starts telling him. He's got a sad face, just like many charismatic Christians. Sad face in the presence of the king. And the king says, why? It's not like you. And Nehemiah, it's not a good thing for you to have a, a face like a slap backside in the face, in, in the presence of God or the king. 
So he says, what is the problem? He says, how can I serve you when my people and my nation need help? So what is it you're going to do? Wow. That you can move on behalf of a nation. When God can speak to you on behalf of a community. When God can speak with you at that level, you better know what you want. You can't be saying, well, Lord, I just need a new job. Or, Lord, I need a... It's the wrong response. You've got to know what the question is. You've got to know the question. Because the question is asking you, because it's waiting for the specific answer. So what is it you want? What is it we want as a church? What do we want our future to look like? Come on, let's ask ourselves, or is it just about you? What are we going to answer to the Lord? Everyone's got a different answer. If the question comes to you, God's looking for a specific answer. Okay? I remember being in the, in, in the youth room next door, Legacy Center, and I'm telling God, what do you want us to do this year in evangelism? Wrong question. Oh. What kind of man? sit in you. Whoa. That's a different, that's a big boy question. And I didn't get the answer. I couldn't talk to God for a couple of days. I just felt that was a rebuke. In other words, you ain't that man yet, but you will be. Okay. Okay, Lord. Start. Let the games begin. So what are we going to ask God? I said, what are we going to respond? He said, I answered the king if it pleases the king. And if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. And then he goes on to say, and he asks for two things. Does anybody know what it is? He asks for letters. Well, you've got some letters here. It's called the Bible. Letters give you permission. Letters give you backing and authority. We're going to need some letters in some favorable places to do what we need to do. Right? We need some letters of favor so that we can begin to do what we need to do when we know what we need to do. The next thing he asked for was wood. He wanted to go to, he wanted to, go to the king's forest and out the king's treasury, out is of abundance. He said, I need some wood so we can rebuild the gates. So Nehemiah took stock of what he needed. You must know what materials are needed to rebuild. The family. Hello? You must know what materials you need to do the job that God's asking of you right now. Is this helping you? You must know. You must know. So. The nation's down. The walls have been breached. Foreign gods have got in. The nation's been dispersed. Now the people are coming back. Does that not sound like England or Britain? Every family needs a priest. In this church now, you're the priest. I have made you a royal priesthood. Okay? So every man... Now, ladies, if you're, you haven't got a husband or your husband's not saved, you're the priest. God deals with you. Okay? 
So everyone's a priest. Okay? Does that make sense? Come on, respond to me. Everyone's a priest. Right. So you're the priest for your household. So it starts with you. God works with the priest. Okay? The next thing, where there is a male, it needs a husband who's a leader and a watchman. Hello? I realize Carol needs leading more and more. Not because, she's, not because she's dumb, not because she hasn't got any ability, but I know that where we're going, Carol needs leading more and more. Right? Ladies, you need leading. I'll try over here, I know. They've got agreement. Ladies, you need leading. Well, I'm self-sufficient. Okay, let's see what it gets you. Now, if you're not going to get married, then you need to lead yourself. Of course you do. Right? Or you haven't got a partner. Right now, you're leading yourself. You and God are walking together. Right. I'm talking. You still need leading. God still needs to lead you. Now, he leads me by paths. He leads me by waters. God needs to lead you because he knows what's at the waters. He knows what's already in the water. And he knows what's down the path. So let him lead either way. Right? Ladies, you need to be led. Now, that means men, you need to stand up and lead. And lead does not mean you shouting. Lead does not mean you getting your own way. Lead means you hearing God, watching God, and then speaking with your wife and saying, Honey, I feel the Lord is saying this to us. And she is, if she's praying, this should be an agreement where two or three agree. Now, ladies, when you don't want to agree with him, let him pray. Let him lead. And don't crucify him when he gets it wrong. Because he will get it wrong. It's called part of learning. See, 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 I told you. He died at once. You're dead. You're gone. I'm going to leave from now on. No. No. Encourage him. Honey, how many hours did you speak? Did you, you spend with God? Well, I spent the last five minutes. Try ten next time. And what did you do in that ten minutes? I talked and talked. Shut up and listen. Men are not good listeners. The talkers. <laughs> so listen, girls. Let the men lead. Encourage them to lead. Demand they lead. You're spiritual. Lead me, honey. Man, not always like the answer, girls, but at least celebrate he's trying to lead you spiritually. But guys, you must not impose your will. If God's speaking to you, he can speak to your wife as well. Amen? So then he says here, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house. You put your Israel in there. Everyone's got, everyone's got their own Israel. Every married man has his own Israel. Man's called 28 Capital Road. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. So there's a place where God has to speak so you can begin to launch. Yes? I have made you a watchman for the house. Men, he's made you a watchman for your family. Why is it always the ladies who go to intercession and men just pray? Intercession is travailing. Intercession is going over and above the demands, right, to get the answer. It's a wrestling, it's a fighting, it's a petitioning. Where men just goes, oh, I'll just pray, I'll give God ten minutes. Why is it the women seem to intercede and men don't? Well, guys, you need to get a heart of a woman. Well, not heart of a woman. You need to get God's heart. You don't need a woman's heart. You need to keep your heart, but 
get it changed. God, God is bringing more and more intercession into this house. And it's going to come from men and it's going to come from women. Amen? It's going to be a balance. Yes? Now, ladies, if you're an intercessor and you're on your own, yours is the only voice. So if you're the intercessor and your husband's not, then you can bamboozle with him with what you've seen. You've seen the revelation. You've seen, you've seen the cherubim. You've got to encourage him to go where you are. And guys, if you're in a good place, encourage the wife to come where you are. Carol and I now have started praying more and more in our, in our relationship, which is good. And you can spot the differences. You can always see how immature or how mature a person is when you pray. Yeah? So... The watchman opens the gates for him, and the sheep listens to his voice. So the watchman opens the gates. He is the gatekeeper of the house. And what he opens, listen, and the sheep listens to his voice. So there is people they can influence. Yes? They influence. You open your door. You open your front door, people come in, they influence you. You shut your door, they don't influence you. But the watchman opens the gates for him and the sheep listens to his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Guys, you've got to lead your people, your family. Song of Solomon, catch for us the little foxes. Why? If you don't lead, there's always a fox trying to get in. You only need children to realize foxes try to get in. Yes, foxes always attach themselves to young people. And then the foxes stay with those young people if they can't change the patterns. Yes? And then that fox will try and get you to change your pattern. Yeah? Why? Because our vineyards are in bloom, but when the fox get in, guess what? They're going to be in doom. They're going to be in gloom. So one of my brothers came from Judah with the other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province again and in great trouble and in great disgrace. Who do you know that's in great disgrace? The watchman patrol looking for any breaches. He finds holes in the walls. What holes are in your family? Come on, watchman. You need to ask. You need to find out what are the holes in the family. What are the holes right now? Don't look for the obvious. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Show me the holes, oh God. Show me the holes. So the watchman patrols the walls looking for breaches so that the foxes can't get in. The watchman looks for messengers. For how lovely, says the Bible, are the feet of him who brings good news. God speaks to the watchman and gives him a message. So that from the watchman, you have messengers. So now you become, all your family become messengers. Because why? They're all schooled in the same way. Yeah? The watchmen communicate to the gatekeepers. The watchmen speak to the gatekeeper, and the gatekeeper then speaks to the messenger. They each combine what they know. So your wife might be a gatekeeper. The husband might be a watchman. Hello? Let the watchman speak to the gatekeeper. Let the gatekeepers then speak to the messengers in the family. Does that make sense? The father's the watchman, the wife the gatekeeper, the children are the messengers. Because they carry mum and dad's values. 
that make sense? And then he says this. Hang on, where's it gone? I'll read you this scripture. I thought I had it on the slide. I will stand at my watch from Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I will give to this complaint. So if your wife's complaining, watchman, you better go and hear, find out what God's saying so you can give an answer to the missus' complaint. It's not on there, that's not the scripture. That's Habakkuk, chapter 2, 1. You better have an answer when God summons you. Yeah? I said you better have an answer when God summons you. What scripture is that again? Matthew 13. Where have I got Matthew 13? It's amazing I can't even find it. <laughs> I'll read it then. So the issue is this. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 2. Hanaya, we've read it many times today already. The people were in great distress and in trouble. We have to address this distress and this trouble. We as a church have to, de- have to address this distress and this trouble in our own families. Hello? We have to arrest it in our own families. I said we have to arrest it in our own families. We have to go and find the grace of God to go and put right what's wrong. We have to get this grace. The battle is winnable. It's going to be done through prayer. It's going to be done through fasting. Your kids may be on a good path. Right. Keep them on a path. It takes just as much effort to keep your kids on the right path that it does to get them off a wrong path on the right path. Why? Because we want our kids to go to the place called finish. Completion. Amen? So we have walls that are broken down. We have gates that are burned. We have people who are disgraced. And we have people who are troubled. We have people in our family who are in great trouble. Emotionally, financially, job-wise, career-wise. We have all kinds of trouble. Don't let trouble trouble you. You've got to trouble trouble. Don't let trouble trouble you. Because we've already read on the path, there will be hostility, there will be fluctuations, there will be change. But don't let trouble trouble you. You must trouble trouble. Hello? Speak trouble into your trouble. Don't let trouble speak its trouble into you. That's good, that. Well done, Pastor. We are people who are in disgrace. You must speak, you must find the grace to change the disgrace. You must find the grace of God to reverse the disgrace. You take this out of it, what do you get? Grace. These are not phrases. These are realities. If you can go in and fight for someone, you can change disgrace into grace. You can. We have people's environments have been invaded by all kinds of things. So, You must know how to handle the burden in prayer. 
you must get this grace so that you can handle the burden in prayer. Church, we are, we're, at, we're at a crossroads. Seriously, we are at a crossroads. The way to rebuild society is through the family. If you get the family right, you then have a strong model for then the rest of society to build. Every person who goes to work in the morning comes from a home and goes back to a place. Yes? And what happens in those hours determines how he leaves, she leaves, they leave in the morning. And what happens in the workplace determines how they come back. Hello? And in those hours, if the home life is as confused and as frictious as the workplace, then you've got a cycle. So how do we guard the home, rebuild the home, so that we can then begin to affect the environment that we go to, play, we go to work in? It's great if I can send my children positively to school. Because I know when they get to school, school will send them back with all kinds of issues and then I have to wrestle with those issues you have to wrestle with those issues and it can bring trouble into mum and dad and then mum and dad feel a bit all wobbly and then what do we say to the kids it'll be all right I think your kids need a bit more than all right what you need to do is not spend less time talking and more time praying for them pray for your kids pray for your wife pray for your husband Spend time praying, Lord, don't, and listen guys, don't say, don't go to the Lord and say, Lord, she moans all the time. Lord, just change her, give her a slap. That's not the way to get the heart of God for your wife. Lord, she's my wife. Father, I'm praying for, the, for these things, oh God. Don't give God a rap sheet of all that's wrong. Right? Take the plank out of your own eye. Pray for the strengths. Lord, I pray that you give it a great revelation. I pray you give it a great encounter. I pray you give a great more confidence, oh God. Celebrate what she's doing well and begin to pray into that. Yeah? The areas that she's struggling, lift them up and say, Lord, give her the grace for this area and vice versa. And if you're not, if you not, if you've not got a partner, then we will pray as a church for everyone in this house. Because no one is going to get left. No, I said no one. I have a strategy. I have a strategy. Why? Because I knew this would be a key point for us in our church. This is a key point for us in our church. If we get this right, God will trust us. He says, Tony, get your families right first. Now, I'm not waiting for you to tell me what your problems are. I know you've got problems. Why? Because the problem's common to man. Now, we haven't all got the same problems. We haven't all got the same problems because I don't have young kids. Only when I have them at weekend. Call the grandkids. And she hides all the clothes and you can't find her, can't find them, and you're trying to go to church this morning. That's just called common problems. That's called, I'm thinking, I'm glad, I'm glad you're mine, but you're going back. I'm glad you're part of me and I'm part of you. I celebrate that. But honey, you're going home today. We will make that happen. 
joy having them at times. So when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Nehemiah said, I mourned and I fasted and I prayed. Then he said to the God of heaven, the great awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. That's the part where you've got to stay, realize that you're talking to a God who keeps his covenant and he's a God of love. You get that God in your heart, mind and soul, then that becomes a platform to pray for the family. He's a God of covenant. We make covenant together. So God, me, my wife, and God is a covenant. So we're going to speak about that covenant. Yes? You're a God of love. Father, you love us with the same love that you gave, that you gave to me, Lord. Help give me that. So again, show me, Lord, how to release that to Carol. Show me, Lord, how to release that to my children. Even when the little brats. Show me, Lord, how to give your love. And love is not all mushy. It's garden peas and mushy peas. It's both. It's processed and it's marrow fat. Right? It's a bit of both. Depends what you want. At times God can be mushy, but at times he's just garden peas. You understand what I mean by that? You can't always have mushy peas. Sometimes you've got a man up. And there's some broccoli. <laughs> but you've got to create a pathway in the spirit. I'm asking you and urging you and pleading with you as a church, as a house, to hear what God's saying at this time. It's time to rise and build the family. I've been asking God to give me strategies. I've been asking God, I I know I've got the the, the heart of a builder, but now I need the mind of a strategist. So if you're going to pray for anything for me, please pray for me that God gives me a heart of a strategist. Sorry, a mind of a strategist. Show me how, Lord from the word, to rebuild the families, to encourage, to give the people the material, to give them the training to go and and the hope and the encouragement to go and put this into practice. Help us. We're going to go to our wall. We are going to find our wall this year. We're going to go and pray. We're going to fast. We're going to labor in the spirit because I believe everything starts in the spirit and we'll do work on the ground. The work on the ground will be as only as effective as the work in the spirit. We're going to see our families turn around. I said we're going to see our families turn around. They're going to become strong. Strong families. That's, that's the word for us. Strong families. When you start having your kids who are strong, you feel strong. It's great having, it's great me having my son at the side of me. It's great having Scott here. That was not a guarantee. So it's great to see him. Now I've got to pray to keep him there. Now, we've got, we got one down, we've got another two to go. But guess what? I'll fight for them. We've got to fight for them. So we're going to have to stand at the wall. We're going to have to raise our swords, raise our shields, pick our trowel up. And we're going to have to labor in the spirit for what's broke. Because I will not let my daughter die in disgrace. My, lot, my daughter's living in what I would consider and what God considers a disgraceful relationship. But I will not let my daughter go down in disgrace. So I have, to turn, I have to find the grace to remove the disgrace in the spirit. That's the work that God has to do. I have to find my son who was raised in a church, has no desire for it whatsoever. 
see God turn his heart around and give him a desire. Might come because he sees his kids. I don't know. That's how God does. I've got a battle on. I've got a mother-in-law and a father-in-law who's as, who's as cynical as anything. They were raised in Glasgow when the, when, when the Catholics and Protestants were at their height. You've got yours. I've got mine. The battle's on. My mother and father-in-law are not, not that long off going to meet the maker. I would rather them see his, the maker this side of the earth than on the other side when you've when he got no option to change anything. You knew my father-in-law, there's a work on. It's true, it's true. But you've got father-in-laws and mother-in-laws and daughters or sisters or brothers, aunties or uncles. We've all got them. But who's going to get them? I don't want to be stood at his funeral saying, oh, he was a nice guy, Jack. It's a nice guy, Jack. Oh, boy, could he swear. And he can swear, believe me. It's called Blue Room. Never mind Blue Moon. It's Blue Room when we watch soccer together. Football, soccer. Oh, I hate that word. Football. That's that Australian thing coming through. But you know what? I've got to fight for him. Every time I see him, I think, Jack, you're going to change one way or the other. Margaret, you're going to change. Laura, you're going to change. Ben, you're going to change. That's my family. Oh, Matthew. Matthew is in my family. That's where we join alliances, his family. Clans come to clans. Tribes must join with tribes. Right? Andy's got unsaved in his family, which is my family. And I've got unsaved in my family, which is his family. So clan by clan, we come together. Tribe by tribe, we stand together. That's how you can do it. We come to the wall, we rebuild. Is that true? So family, clan by clan, we'll bring together. Tribe by tribe. Person by person. No one gets left. We will fight and see it turn around. I said we'll fight and see it turn around. Let's stand to our feet, please. How many of you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? How many of you believe that God will visit every street, every man, every home? Do you believe that? Can you stand with that conviction? That God will release his spirit to every house, every home, every man, woman and child. But you must be at your wall in order for him to do it. You must be at your wall for him to release his spirit through you. Pray into every... Pr Listen, the walls in the flesh do not negate the walls of the spirit. The walls of the spirit can go anywhere. There's no obstacle. Nothing can stop the spirit going. You are the launching point. You are God's mortifier on the earth. Amen? So Father, right now, what a momentous God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. What a, what a day, oh God, to be launching. So, Father, this morning, let the grace of God come upon you right now. Come on, receive a grace. Let the grace of God come upon us as a house to see the mandate of God of rebuilding the family come to pass. Father, we've asked you for the good way. You've shown us the way to start is by rebuilding the family. 
So, oh God, we take the first step of faith and we say, oh God, we don't expect you to do it on your own. We will labor with you. We will follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. We will work with you. We will push with you in the spirit, oh God, believing, oh God, that our families will come to faith. We're going to see the rebellious become such a transformed. And the picture God shows me right now is like the Gadarean who was demonically oppressed. And as he came out and Jesus came across to the other side, Jesus spoke with him. And the next thing you see is that guy sat in his right mind. There are evil forces operating over our families. And all it takes is for you to cross over. All it takes is you to go to the other side in the spirit. Make a deposit on the other side in the spirit. And as you begin to intercede and begin to pray what God's telling you to pray and how God's telling you to pray, as you begin to do that, the demonic that's plaguing our families will suddenly be driven out of our territory. And sanity will come back to our children, to our families, to our husbands, to our families, wider family. So, Father, right now we cross over in the spirit. We stand up, we rise, we pray, we intercede, we'll fast, we'll do what's necessary, oh God, in order to see your hand move upon our families. So, Father, let the grace come upon us right now. Come on, it's coming. It's coming upon us, the grace to stand. The grace to turn around any friction in the house. I said the grace to resist friction in the house, your house. The grace to resist it. The grace to hold your course. This is coming to you right now. God is, God is bringing this grace to you right now. How many of you believe you can have this grace? God is imparting it by the Spirit right now. As I raise my hands, God is answering. He's working with us as a people where two or three agree on the earth, God begins to respond to what's agreed. So we have his word. We have heaven's backing. So receive the grace to rebuild the wall. It's in us, church. It's in us. It's on us. And it's in us. So you, like me, need to...